Hey, this is Sailor. Welcome to another episode of Metal Rock and Whiskey. Welcome back, my friends. What's up, guys? Hey, Sailor. Great to be back. Up, Sailor. Yeah. 2020, back again. Uh, I think I fucked up on last week's show and said it was our second year. This is our third year. I don't know what I was thinking. <laughs> what I was thinking, but second season. <laughs> I think that's what you meant to say. Whatever. We just had a really long first season the last sure. few years. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> oh God! But it feels good to be back again with you guys in the studio, drinking whiskey, talking about um, our favorite subjects. Rock and metal, hell yeah. Um, we are continuing this week our tribute to Neil Peart, and we're going to try to make it a little less sad this time. I mean, I don't know if it was sad last week. I felt sad. Maybe, you know, I, I was sad or, still. There were sad parts. Yeah, you know? yeah bittersweet. Yeah. That's, a, that's a good way to put it. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, <clears throat> we're going to kick this right off because we are going to be playing um, portions of previous shows. So, um, I want to keep this at a manageable length. So I'm going to play for you one of my absolute favorite Rush songs. Strangely, it does not have Neil Peart, the original recording, on drums. But this was my shift song forever. Um, every time I'd get to the bar, turn on the lights, get to working, this is how I would start my shift. So uh, I'll play this for you, and then we'll talk about what we're drinking. Yeah. God, I love that song. That's amazing. Amazing. As Sailor said before we played the clip, though, uh, we have to talk about what we're drinking. It is Metal Rock and Whiskey after all. Uh, so we have to talk about that little word with the W, whiskey. So I guess we'll go around the horn, see what we have in our glass this week. Who wants to start? Let's let Ed start. All right. I started yeah. last week. Oh, I guess I'll do it again. <laughs> so last week. Don't sound so enthused. <laughs> all right. All right. Sorry, last week. <laughs> if I have to. <laughs> no, but I should be a little more enthused about it because last week I I pulled out an, an old favorite. Um, but I decided to change it up and do uh, more of a new favorite this week. Um, and I was gifted by my lovely wife for Christmas, a bottle of, uh, Kentucky owl. And Your wife is so is... smart about yeah, her whiskey is. choices. Yes, I wonder is. who she gets her ideas from. I don't know. <laughs> but She's anyway, very knowledgeable. <laughs> but, uh, it's a special edition of Kentucky Owl bourbon called Confiscated. Mm-hmm. Um, and it comes in at 96.4 proof. 48.2% is what that translates to. And um, I'll tell you what, this is a it's a nice it's a nice bourbon, and I do enjoy it. But I will have to admit though, trying it. <laughs> Uh, soon after that Rock Hill Farms though just makes me appreciate the Rock Hill Farms that much more oh. isn't that interesting yeah even a week later yeah but yeah even the, the 
there's a. <laughs> I see both great bourbons. Here. Yeah, both great bourbons. Uh, <laughs> a lot of more rye spice coming through on the Kentucky Owl. The the Rock Hill Farms is a little more mellow, uh, a little more sweet. This Kentucky Owl's got a little more spice to it, which is good depending on your mood. But uh, yeah, enjoying that. So you're not feeling spicy tonight, is what you're saying. <laughs> no comment. No, I don't, hey, I you don't opened a, yourself up to that. I don't know a ton <laughs> about that bottle, but is that? I would assume that that's also blended, like the rise, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's 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 a uh, um, as they call it. But Kentucky All is an NDP and non-distiller producer. Mm-hmm. Where they uh, um, source their bourbons and blend them and uh, i believe that the master blender's name is dixon deadman uh for kentucky owl and um yeah he's got got quite the reputation uh great master blender he's an incredible master blender and i believe he's going to be opening his own distillery i i under under Kentucky Owl's name, correct? I would expect him to. Yeah, I I believe, I I thought... um, He'd be crazy not to. Well, Kentucky Owl was bought by the Stoli Group. So, um, I'm assuming he sold it so that he could open an actual distillery. That's just speculation. But, um, so apparently, Confiscated pays tribute to uh, barrels that were received from Dixon's great-great-grandfather right ahead of prohibition so it's kind of kind of cool little tribute there yeah yeah um it's funny i just taught a huge gigantic whiskey class last week and i talked a little bit about blending and i talked about this in a whiskey dinner the night after as well because sometimes the question comes up and sometimes it doesn't when I'm talking about uncle nearest and I say that we're only a two and a half year old brand, but we have a seven year bourbon and a, you know, eight to 12 year, sorry, whiskey. Um, sometimes people don't ask and I'm like, well, okay. And sometimes people are like, huh, what? So <laughs> I like when the questions gets posed. Cause I like talking about the art of blending and you know what it takes to blend like distilling is, you know, surely it's an art, Form, but once you have your mash bill down and your method of operation, you're just doing the same thing every time, you know, but to blend it is a whole other animal altogether. And that is really the true talent, I think, mm-hmm. is the blending. And then your um, director of whiskey production who manages that con- continuity, just so, so cool and so difficult and just well, exciting to well, talk that's about. that's the thing is what goes into the barrel may be the same thing. Same thing mm-hmm. going to this barrel, same thing going to this barrel, but the barrels are all different, or they're yep. located in the rickhouse is different, yep. and what comes out of there is way different than what went in there. That is correct, yes. and you've got to know, like, every, you know, what, what you know, which rickhouse, you know, what shelf number, you know, what are the, you know, and then taste it all, and and just it's just so incredible and so fascinating so um i love 
I love talking about that. And I'm so glad that we're finally really beginning. I think, Matt, when we started the podcast, we were still really super protective of our master blenders and because, oh, blending. Yeah. And and sorry, but most people don't know what the fuck they're talking about when they say that. What what are you talking about? No blending. So if you're not drinking a single barrel, it's all blended dumb fuck. So shut up. Like, come on. You first learn what you're talking about. And I think even in just, you know, three years, we've come that far to where people are beginning to understand. And also, you know, the, oh, they don't make that whiskey. That whole nonsense, you know, as long as they're being truthful is ridiculous as well. Would you say we're finally catching up to the scotch world? uh, No, because they do the the same thing. They're, they're, they're struggling to, uh, to get out of that stuff too. You know, oh, it's not a single malt. It's a blended single. It's a blend of single malts. Yes. It's a blend of single malts and it's fucking incredible. Shut up and drink it. Yeah. (laughs) They have the the brightest minds. Some of the (laughs) brightest minds in the American whiskey industry are master blenders. Yes. Don't just sell their own stuff. It's true. Indeed. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So I'm happy to see progress in that arena. Okay, so uh, Matt, what are you drinking tonight? Well, funny you mentioned Scottish single malts. Mm-hmm. Um, so I la ti da, yeah, la ti da. <laughs> yes, my forte. Um, I had mentioned I put a post on Instagram probably in November, late November, early December, sometime around the holidays uh, about. Scottish single malts and all the island stuff that you guys don't really particularly like with the smoke and the peat and the band-aidiness, as you guys like to say. Band-aid, hockey, uh, toilet puck, (laughs) pine saw, lemon pledge, and yeah, the smell of a toilet puck. What are those things called? Like a urinal Urinal cake? Urinal cakes. Urinal cakes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and I'm a, and a use that from now on that's christmas fantastic. tree air freshener so yeah take one part toilet puck one part lemon pledge one part band-aid one part pine saw and one part christmas tree air freshener car freshener don't forget burning have, rubber and a little a little hint of burning rubber and you have smoky scotch <laughs> so despite everything my co-host just said <laughs> This stuff is fantastic. And I had spotlighted in that post a bottle, and I, I made a point of saying that the smoky scotches don't just come from Islay, which everyone thinks is just, it is the hub of that style. True. But there yes. are half a dozen other islands that produce a similar style of scotch. And um, I had posted in that picture a bottle of uh, Jura, Jura, 10 year. Jura, 10 year. I have a question from, for you yes. before you continue. Yes. Um, do you feel that saying peated and saying smoky are the same thing? No. Good. I don't either. No. Yeah. No. I no. like, so I thought and that was the good... case. Yes. Yes. I, I, I was mistaken and thought if it was peated, it was automatically going to be smoky. If it was peated, it was going to be band-aid. Um, and that turns out to not be the case. And funny you should say that, Sailor. You are in my head, damn you. Um, because this one is, it's mostly unpeated malts, but still. Full of Band-Aid. Has that, <laughs> yes. 
<laughs> so great, interesting little thing about this bottle and about the actual island. So it's actually it's a stone's throw from Islay. It's right across the channel. Um, it actually only has a population of about 200 people on the island, about 142 square miles. Only 200 people live there. Uh, George Orwell, famous person, obviously, was actually lived there near the end of his life as well. Um, but, and I can say that I've actually met someone who was born and lived in Jura. Out of, um, I met them. Where are you from, Jura? I was like, for real? Whoa. Yes. And I was like, there's only like 200 people that live there. And she's like, I know. Now there's 199. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Fucking blew my mind. That's um, crazy. And it blew her mind that I knew that. Um, <laughs> but this stuff, it's, it's just, God, when you talk scotch whiskey and calm down bourbon listeners, I know, yeah, I'm going to piss you off with what I'm going to say here, but of any whiskey, on the planet, any style, you get the most range of flavors in this style. Um, it, it's just, it's incredible. You get all the smoke with this. You get the the brine, but you get this oiliness, this kind of oily mouthfeel that I don't find in a lot of the Islay stuff. Um, this stuff's just fantastic, and it's $40 a bottle. But do you taste whiskey? I taste whiskey. Because that's the one thing you didn't mention. Of course. And that's my problem with the, with those whiskeys is I don't taste the whiskey. I can taste a lot of campfire and wet sock laid out by the campfire, but wet dog, a little bit, a little bit of wet dog. You know what? Since I've got you both here, <laughs> maybe I can pick your brain a minute. Wet because <laughs> speaking of scotch whiskey, and I most recently experienced this when I drank Japanese whiskey, which is they kind of tried to replicate scotch. So they make here. single malts that are yes. very similar in style, yes. yes. So it was a uh, Akashi, I think it was, that I... Uh, yes. Like Akashi, like of. the cereal? I'm just kidding. No, uh, okay. I'm just being an asshole tonight. <laughs> well, it's the same spelling except with an A in the front. Yeah, yeah. I know. It's yeah. Not just Kashi, it's A-Kashi. A-Kashi. But anyway, um, there's... I've been trying to put my finger on it, but there's a common taste through it all. And I've been trying to put my finger on it, and I finally realized I can describe it as like a metallic taste. It's called malted barley. And is <laughs> that where it comes from? Well, I'm it, trying to, there, there's got to be a common thread. <laughs> did you buy a bottle of that? No, I didn't. So it, uh, someone gave me a sample. Okay, but you also think one of the mash bills from Buffalo Trace tastes like toothpaste. So I think that's your, here's the thing I'm making fun of this. This is great that you brought this up, Ed. I'm making fun of what Matt is talking about. Cause to me, it tastes like a horror movie, but to him, it tastes incredible. And then you taste something else altogether and things that I like. Um, this is this is it. Taste is subjective. We all nobody's right here. Nobody's wrong here. I mean, clearly, I, we could say I'm wrong about Jura because they're they sell their whiskey very nicely without me. Thank you. Um, but it's subjective, and you know, there's no well. This is the best whiskey. I don't. Uh, I don't know how that ever happens. I think for someone to say. I think this is the best whiskey of the year or on my shelf. Sure. For you, it is hundred percent. That's the truth, but it might not be for me and that's totally okay. That's right. 
Do you know if it was the white oak Akashi or just? I know it, it was just... very. It was like a straw yellow. Okay. Color. There's, uh, there's very two. Very pale. Yeah. It's probably the white oak. Yeah. I think he doesn't like single malts. Mm. But you like monkey shoulder, but yes, London malt. Yeah. Yeah, that's mm. so soft though. Yeah. That's how um, I would describe the Sakashi, which is very good. is very soft and not in your face. Probably the most repulsive whiskey I've ever tasted <laughs> in my life would have to be the Laphroaig 10-year. Oh, you're crazy. Oh, Laphroaig is brutal. Have you had an American <laughs> single malt? Just curious. Um, I've had, what, Stranahan's? Stranahan's? It's, yes. It's not. Uh, Colorado. Have you had a Westland? You've had their single malt? The Stranahan's, yeah. or you had the regular... Okay. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're regular well, offering well, isn't a single malt. A, oh, it isn't? Okay. No, the yellow label is not a single malt. The yellow. Is it the red label? The no, red I think it was a malt. yellow label that I had. <laughs> I would be, in, I'd be really curious. I don't think I've had an blend. American single I think malt. This, Next I time think you go to one yeah. of your liquors, go to your binnies and ask them if they have any American single malts open that you can taste. I know they have, uh, they have Balcones. Not all of them are single malts. Okay. I would say I would try to just next time you're at one near one of your really big liquor stores because they all have samples open. Um, ask them if they have anything open that you can taste. I got to tell you, Sailor. Speaking of American single malts, I had a brand ambassador from Barrel Bourbon at our location, and they have a new vatted malt. That they made it's a blend of American single malts. Gotta, t- gotta tell you, man, gives the Balcones Whoa. a run for its money. I never really? thought I'd say that in my life. Yes. But cool. That's great, though. It I want this category to explode. Fantastic. It's vatted malt, so it's not a, a single malt, but it's right. a blend of American single malts. But man, that blew me away. So you know what's what's so funny is that I think it was a couple days ago. I'm on Twitter and I gotta tr- see if I can find this. Um, was it Food and Wine magazine or um, shit? Hang on a second. So one of the food magazines said something like, "There's American Scotch out there, and it tastes oh, it's oh, it's, Savo- yes. it's oh my god." I remember hearing about that. Savor magazine. I was like, "Are you fucking kidding me?" Number one, like, how do you get it that wrong? Seattle, I'm sorry, Seattle Scotch is a thing and it's good. And it's a picture of Westland. And like literally everyone freaked the fuck out and they still have not changed. They have not edited it, even though it got like so many. We were all screaming like, number one, how dare you dishonor Westland, who is pretty much responsible for creating this category. They, They were the the you know the first guys really to do the american single malt in a real way and then to not understand that you can't call it seattle scotch shut the fuck up like come on it's like california champagne oh, exactly. just, ew gross i <laughs> just Bell. can't even ew hey savoy savor what magazine is this savor savor whatever oh, savor okay yeah but savor. that's a, sorry bastardized you know seven um hey saver magazine yeah saver yeah that's we should call i should call up be like hey saver (laughs) how's your uh saver magazine doing got any coupons i can clip 
<laughs> okay. Anyway, moving along. Um, yeah, that Jura sounds so- like you would really enjoy it, Matt, and I wouldn't. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> so, what are you enjoying, Sailor? I'm drinking Woodford. Just plain and simple. I just decided to go for a comfy blanket whiskey that's just like a really good daily drinker, very inexpensive. I like uh, woodsiness. I like barrel. I like tasting the barrel. I like tasting the oak. So um, it's just a nice, soft, gentle, easy drinking whiskey that's just very comforting. And that's just what I was looking for today. Boom. Hit the nail on the head. Yep. That's totally my my take on it as well. I've had Woodford before and it's... See, it, it doesn't stand out in any particular area, but it's a good, solid, solid bourbon. It's, you know, any, I travel nonstop for work. And if I'm in an establishment that doesn't have my own whiskey and I look at what's on the shelf and it's a bad selection, <laughs> if there's a bottle of Woodford, I'm like, oh, thank God. Older you can always count on it. Yes, exactly. There you go. So having said that, uh, let's continue our discussion about Neil Peart, his legacy Um, and the band that helped him create his legacy. So, um, in 2018, August to be exact, is when we released our show on Rush and we discussed the band and their career. Um, That's where my whiskey pairing came from that I redid last week. Um, Matt, you weren't on that. You weren't there, right? You skipped that show. I was not one, not purposely, but of course I had something important going on. Um, But yes, I was not there, unfortunately. So it was Ed, Jake and myself, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, so you listened to it though, Matt, what were your favorite parts of it? I gotta tell you, um, and you repeating this last week was a real treat because as I said last week, as I had said on, I'm sure other shows, the best whiskey segment that we've done in goddamn almost 90 episodes of this now, um, still the best, very heartfelt, um, great stuff on that on that part so i mean the the whiskey segment was by far my favorite part aside from you know the main topics and stuff but best part of the show wow thanks you are welcome it is my like i said last week it's my favorite whiskey pairing that i've ever done yeah so yeah that's what i meant the best one that you've done not the best one ever because you know mine. (laughs) well that's why i said the best one i've done okay no it's still the best still the best overall well, all right. You don't have to go that far. You're not going to okay. hear any argument from me. I mean. <laughs> all right. All right. I'll take it. Fine. <laughs> but um, yeah, my takeaway from that episode was I, you know, like on many of our, our shows, um, it really gives me the opportunity to, d- to do a deep dive into a band. And Rush's was one of those bands where, you know, I had known the hits over the years, Tom Sawyer, Limelight, um, etc. But I never really took the time to really get into the band. And 
that's what I remember the most was finally kind of almost like discovering that band for the first time yeah. and appreciating uh, the musicianship, the writing, everything uh, about them and how I was even just completely impressed. Um, and ever since that episode, um, I've been list- have listened to a lot more Rush in my rotation. I'll That's tell you awesome, what. though. That's so, so awesome. Yeah. And that was one of the the key um, reasons that um, I wanted Neil Peart so badly to win our you know drummers best drummers of rock episode, and why I fought you know I about fought for him. Well, we'll get we'll was, get there. That was one. That was one of my my. That's one of my favorite things about Rush is listening to uh, Neil Peart's drumming. Uh, <laughs> so anyway. We'll talk about that when we yeah. we'll, we'll get there and yeah. we'll get there. Um, that's that's another show that we did that we'll talk about in a minute. Um, so I think I feel the same way Ed, that you do that it revived my love for them. I was uh, in high school. I was a huge and into college, huge huge Rush fan. Um, saw them several times. They're just incredible. Um, I think what I liked best about researching for that show was same as you going back and listening with a more acute ear to their music again but also like digging in you know when I do the research I always like start from one like who are they where were they born how did this happen like where did they come from and I loved going back into their lives uh their formative years and just knowing well you you kind of try to figure out who who are these guys who are these people you know, and what's the chemistry there. And so um, I just seem to really like these guys, these three guys. And I, I really liked Neil a lot. And that was, I don't know that I'd ever really, um, I don't know what the word I'm looking for, kind of knew much about him personally until we researched for that show. So it was nice to find that like, hey, I really like this guy. And the opposite has happened on the show a few times. I've dug into bands that I used to really like and found out they're complete dickheads and I don't like them anymore. <laughs> and it kind of ru- <laughs> ruined it kind for of me. Ruins it for you. Yeah. yeah. Um, anyone? Yeah, that's one of them for sure. Uh, okay, so if you remember, Ed, we all had to create a playlist. Do you remember that? Our top 10 Rush songs. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I have mine still. I found you do? it. Do yeah. I wonder if I still have mine somewhere. I'll, I'll see look if you for can it. find it. Yeah, Matt, I, you made one as well, and I, I thought did. I don't remember. I, <laughs> I did. I I don't. I can't, I don't know why. I'm pretty sure I was the one that read your playlist, but I can't find the notes to it. Yeah, I'm you sorry. Were, but... So, um, while you're looking that up, Ed, why don't we play um, our favorite part of the Rush show that we did? back in 2018. And we are back and all set and ready to get into our playlist that we made up. Who wants to start? Anybody? Anybody? Or do you want to do you want to put Matt's out there first, Sailor? Sure. Okay. Let's see. Let's what hear Matt Matt's. Picks. 
So he says in no particular order, Tom Sawyer, 2112, Limelight, Spirit of Radio, Red Barchetta, Xanadu, Something for Nothing, Witch Hunt, Fly by Night, The Necromancer. So he managed to get 10. Red okay. Barchetta was one of the songs that I scribbled off my list. <laughs> yeah, he had four songs on there that I didn't have on my list. But anyway, here's I'll just go ahead with mine. Um, again, in like Matt, in no particular order, I have uh, 2112, <clears throat> Closer to the Heart, Tom Sawyer, Red Barchetta, <clears throat> YYZ, Limelight, <clears throat> The Spirit of Radio, Free Will, Working Man, Subdivisions, and Fly By Night. YYZ was one of the other ones I have <laughs> scribbled off here. <laughs> <laughs> Alright, who wants to go next, Jake? I, uh, I'll, I guess I'll hit in three spot. Um, no particular order, though I will say... Uh, <clears throat> I... Probably without a doubt, Working Man is my favorite song, which is funny because that was kind of like original, you know, first album Rush, original Rush. But I just, I don't know. I like kind of, there's a rawness to that song that is just great. I, I that That's, that's got to be one of the best Rush rock song. songs that's ever it's existed. It's such a good song. Absolutely. It's yeah, such a good song. Down. Agreed. I think it represents to me everything that Bruce Springsteen isn't. Hell yeah! <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> yes. Wow. <laughs> Just in case anybody isn't clear, I can't stand Boom. Bruce Springsteen. Bruce Suckstein. <clears throat> yes. Okay. Um, okay, to preface, real quick. Going back to the point that I made where I had a hard time separating... Um, certain songs that I liked within an album from the album, I found myself perfectly agreeing with whoever decided the singles were. Because I really felt like the singles that were popular ended up being my favorite songs on their own. Now, within each album, which was weird, they weren't necessarily my favorite songs within the album, as it flowed, but they were the ones that I felt on their own or paired with something else um, were, were able to separate the best. So, it, I mean, some of these are going to be no surprise, but Fly By Night, Tom Sawyer, Limelight, Closer to the Heart, Spirit of Radio, Working Man, of course, like I said, Subdivisions, Free Will, and Take a Friend. Uh, Take a Friend was was the lone survivor kind of non-single um, that I had. I had, uh, so like I said, uh, YYW, Red. I always want to say uh, Red. Y-Y-Z. Yeah, what did I say? YYW. <laughs> you know what I meant. Whatever, Damn. same shit. <laughs> um, the, the Red, uh, I can't even say it now because Barchetta. whenever I see it. Red Barchetta. I, I, I want to say the red, red bruschetta, bruschetta. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which is an an Italian toast appetizer. The red bruschetta, oh, brusch- bruschetta, <laughs> bruschetta, <laughs> bruschetta. <laughs> um, Stupid. 
and uh Red Sector A was was another song that I I really liked and and kind of really wanted to have it on the list but every whenever I would kind of listen to it separate it fell off for me and so huh. but it's a great song. Yeah. So yeah, I, I I mean I hate that uh my list is so blatantly obvious to um you know whoever decided these would be the singles but I completely agree with their choice on their singles. I, I mean, I think they're the songs that stand up the best on their own. Oh, definitely. Well, I'm yeah. dying over here to, to hear what Sailor has on her list. So, well, I'm laughing it on as, it's as gonna be all a bunch of you guys. Weird... What? Buckle up, folks. Buckle up, folks. <laughs> See, that's so funny that you say that. <laughs> all right, here's what I have. Number one, hands down, my absolute favorite Rush song, one of the greatest rock songs ever, is Working Man. Boom. Did we actually? Interesting this might that be you like the first time that you I have ever hold agreed on, on stop a the presses by a band. Jake and Sailor <laughs> both agree on a, their favorite song, and from a band that's got this extensive of a catalog. <laughs> This is unbelievable. That is such just, an ultimate wow. rock you know what? song. Hey, just let's just do it. Just play Working Man here again. Okay, yeah, just play All it right, and yeah. tell me this isn't the, yeah. one of the greatest rock songs ever. All right. Can't deny it. You can't. You can't. Come on. Shit rocks. Like banging my head to that <laughs> shit. Yes. Um, all right. So next, I have "Closer to the Heart" from "A Farewell to Kings," of course. Then I have "Free Will," "The Spirit of Radio," <laughs> "Today's Tom Sawyer," <laughs> "Subdivisions," "Limelight," <laughs> "Fly by Night." And twenty one twelve. Oh my gosh, we had almost the same exact list. I know, yeah, Jake. I really? never thought this that would happen. Incredible. <laughs> wow. I think this is the first time ever that this has ever happened. But isn't it? I mean, it, it's obvious that when when people are 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 picking singles off an album, I mean, it's obviously that. So, somebody, whether it's the band, whether it's a marketing team, whether it's a producer, whoever it is, you know, in 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 any given case of a band's, um, you know, story, whoever's picking their signals, singles, sing, God bless America, <laughs> singles, <laughs> singles, <laughs> have another sip of whiskey, Jake. Yeah, right. Um, it's obvious that. That it's that they're well liked songs, and mm-hmm. I mean these songs just crush it. Well, that was fun. It's a bummer you weren't there, Matt. I know. <clears throat> it was love a fun hearing, show. Love hearing Jake's voice, though. So good. I know. Hey, Jake, if you're listening, <laughs> shout out. Yeah, I hope um, he listens. So we also. Uh, featured Neil Peart on a show that we did in December of 2018. So just a couple months after that first show. And uh, we were creating our super group 
and we had to battle each other. So we did singers, guitar players, bassists, and drummers. And Neil was on all of our lists. So that was all four of us because Jake was still with us at the time. And uh, he didn't win, though. (laughs) But, Ed, you remember very well uh, how your battle went down because you had to fight all three of us. Oh, yeah. Um, I was actually shocked that I was in the minority because I had after especially after um like as i said before uh revisiting rush on our rush episode um i had a new appreciation for neil peart and he had i in in past listenings of rush music that's one of the things that always stood out to me was neil peart's drumming and i was kind of of the mind that um Neil Peart was basically the greatest drummer of my generation and no one was going to convince me otherwise. (laughs) So, but do you remember how Matt, do you remember how we, cause we've agreed, but we didn't choose him ultimately for one specific reason. Do you remember what that was? I mean, I have my reasons. I don't know if we all, did we all all agree agree on a reason? Weirdly. Why he, we agreed why we chose who we chose. Tell me. <laughs> who? So who did we end up choosing as our ultimate drummer? John Bonham. John Bonham. Yeah. And the reason we chose John Bonham is because he influenced Neil. Mm. That's how we laid it out. We felt that Keith Moon and John Bonham, and he said it himself, and he even tried to replicate that drumming style. So... He, they came before him. And so that's why ultimately we had to give it to John Bonham because, okay, you know, if you compare who Neil was as a drummer, what, like the day before he died versus who John Bonham was, of course, Neil outpaced him, Yeah, but he lived a longer life, you know, um, not to say that wouldn't have happened anyway, but since he was the inspiration for Neil, that's how that happened um he was also alive at the time and i gotta say that is an influencer sometimes yep i wonder if we would feel differently now i don't know i don't know i just i remember you know a big part of my list and neil peart was on my list um at the end of the day but I remember picking a lot of guys that had that ferocity that I like in a drummer. So Mm -hmm. like, you know, John Bonham, Keith Moon was on there. Dave Lombardo was on there. And I think that may have what kind of tipped the scale also for me was just that kind of barbaric, animalistic ferocity, (laughs) you know, that those other guys had that, you know, for Neil and all of his artistry and his precision and his uh, pointedness on the kit. Yes. Um, he, that was the one characteristic that I felt pushed the other guys over the edge for me anyway. Hey, that's your style. That's your style. It's like, yeah, uh, we were talking course. about earlier. Everyone's got their own taste, but that was by far the toughest decision for me anyway, of all those shows that we did for picking the super group was the drummers was the hardest one. I think, okay, we all said that, right? And we all didn't think that was going to be the case because none of us are drummers. None of us, um, you know, 
Jake and I both filled with the guitar in the past. Um, I didn't think it would be that hard. I just thought, well, this isn't going to be that hard. I'm way more in, well, bass players too, we had a really hard time with. I think that surprised all of us because I don't think we felt as married to those positions in the band and realized we really were <laughs> because of how difficult it was. Yeah. Which is interesting. So that mm. was, that was, it was a little heartbreaking. I remember just, like narrowing it down was brutal because you're you're ultimately getting rid of like the most amazing musicians ever but there can only be one so uh all right let's play that right now and um you can hear how this all went down all right back from the break i feel better i didn't pee my pants that's always good i had a little time to think let me make a correction i fucked up I fucked we had a it hanging up. chad we had a hanging chad it's been resolved it's it's <laughs> the tie is between bottom and peart actually not not lombardo um right. that was my bad so uh we're gonna go around the room and we're going to each give our case why we think one is stronger than the other this is tough for me because they're both on my list um it's gonna be tough for three of us that did that so uh who wants to start i'll start since i didn't have uh i didn't have peart on on my list and and that might have honestly that might have been a slight on my part because I do think that he is uh, an incredible drummer and I don't, I don't know why I didn't put him on. Uh, <clears throat> I, I guess he just wasn't top of mind for me. Um, and, and you know, like I said, maybe if I was going to make the argument mathematically within this, even though we didn't set the, we didn't set the parameter to actually do this in a one through five, like first place, second place, third, you know, et cetera. <laughs> Uh, two of us did vocalize that John Bonham was in our number one slot, mm-hmm. whereas Peart only appeared in one number one slot of the three people that discussed him. Mm-hmm. So, but besides that, I think we've I, I think we've said I think we've said uh, you know had glowing praises for both drummers, and they yeah. I mean, there's no there's no loser here it's really just uh you know who who's gonna who's gonna appear in our super group who gets that spot who didn't choose mm. who didn't choose bonham ed i didn't who didn't choose peart me okay you just said that sorry okay <laughs> so really so really we <laughs> okay interesting okay go ahead who wants to go next well, so I would, I would have Bonham one, Peart two. You know what? So I had Neil Peart as my number one, and I'm, I'm sticking with that. I still think Neil Peart is the greatest. I would, if I would have included John Bottom on my list. Um, again, this is coming back to the how contentious this criteria for drummers has been. Well, not just for drummers, for any of these band members. Um, I disqualified John Bonham based on the hard rock and metal. I didn't feel at the time that John Bonham should have been on this list. Hindsight being 2020, I would have had him at my number two <laughs> spot on my list if I could go back and redo it again. And I kind of think I, that's how I felt for some reason with uh, with Neil Peart that I just don't, I don't know, I just never thought of... 
I, you know, Rush isn't a band to me that just pops in my head is hard rock or metal. Mm-hmm. They're definitely hard rock. I, yeah, no, they are. But they I mean, just, that's just how we covered those, them. Yeah. yeah. No, I agree with that. I just, for whatever reason, they don't pop in my head as that. Hmm. I so, see what you mean. so because of that, pure, and same thing, you know, with you guys, with, like I said, with, uh, with Moon and, and The Who, that's another band where, yeah, I guess now that I think about it and you guys made the points that, yeah, I, I would, I would include them as a hard rock band and I oh, probably definitely. would have, I would have to rethink, you know, having Moon on there, especially, I mean, the animal point really yeah really <laughs> i love animal <laughs> i guess this is why we don't discuss this ahead of time it gives us something exactly. to discuss on the show exactly yep. <laughs> that's why i'm okay. always like save it for the show guys so ed went to ed went uh bonham two peart one mm-hmm. matt well <laughs> well if for me between these two guys I have to break it down super simple for me because if I look at the technical aspect and everything they can do on stage and you know the showmanship and you know I I'm, I'm going to go crazy. So for me I got to break it down simple. And simple for me is what I said when I was talking about John Bonham was what is a drummer? A drummer is the foundation. It is the rock. It is steady. It is concrete. Uh, it is something that you can always look back to and you know it's going to be there all the time, on point, rock solid, and he was the one, he exemplified that, and there is no other better example of that than John Bonham. So if when I break it down simple like that, I have to go bottom one, peer two. Well, I mean, I've listed bottom as one and peer two as well, um, and... That was very difficult for me to do. I did not set out when I started the list to do this in order. I think I don't. I think this is the first time I did any of my choices in order. Maybe, um, but when you have to me, when you have John Bonham, Neil Peart, and Keith Moon together in a fucking list, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, they all deserve the top spot. They but do. I had to find. A, I, I they for just different, do. yeah for different uh, reasons for too. three they're, they're they're completely different, different, different reasons. Yeah. yeah. But they are, to me, they are historical drummers. I do believe that we will be talking about Bonham, Peart, and Moon in 50 years from now. They will still be cited. I do tr- – and that's that was kind of really important in my list as well, in all of the, list, the lists we've done, is, you know, how do they stand up historically? You know, will they, will they be remembered? Did they, did they have enough influence in the history of music on this earth? And I think these guys – will be at the top for a very long time. I think your choice of what's his head from Lamb of God, Jake, I think in 20 years from now, he's probably going to be seen as as a, a a moon or a bonham. I, I'll give you that, but not right now to me. It, it, there's other guys sure. that came first. Oh, yeah. um, I would agree with but that. But I think that Bonham is more of a pioneer than Peart. Peart is more technically precise in a more in a more classical way. Bonham was more technically precise in a natural way. He had the natural ability of precision. Mm. Um, I think that Peart is was probably is probably more was is more creative in a way and has had a broader spectrum 
of where he could push his music, but Bonham didn't get enough time to do that. Mm. So I can't say that he couldn't do that. But his mastery of the different genres of music, being able to not only jump in and go, oh, yeah, I can play funk, I can play Latin music, which, by the way, is very fucking difficult to play as a percussionist. I can play rock, and I can pioneer this fucking sound, and I can do it with flair and panache and showmanship puts him above Peart for me. He, for those reasons, because to me they're, they're, they're equal, but that little edge is what puts him over the top for me. So Bonham stays in the number one spot for me. Well said. Well, and, and when you look at, uh, this kind of just pops in my head too, that I, I didn't really think about when, you know, evaluating that just listening list listing those three drummers that's three of the most iconic rock bands in history and for and oh, for good yeah. reason right and, and, and for good reason and i think when you look at what happened with led zeppelin when bonham died that was it yeah i mean we're, absolutely th- that's how important he was yes to that yeah. band and yeah. i i think i think i could confidently say that the other two bands probably would have done the same thing i think that yes. both of those drummers were were that uh, crucial to each of those bands as well, and and I don't know if I don't know if there's a lot of other drummers out there where you could say like, you know, that they couldn't, not that they wouldn't want to, you know, not replace them, obviously, but mm-hmm. but I think there's a lot of bands out there that I mean, there's a lot of bands out there, period, that that are iconic, but that have gone through different lineups where maybe they've had a different guitar player, or a different drummer, yeah. or whatever. Yeah. But when I, I think uh, I think we've I think we've done well to put those three names really in the final discussion. And, and mm-hmm. I think that, uh, I think that all three of them are equally crucial to their bands and their, you know, three of the top. Well, top same bands thing with we'll Keith Moon. You would die very What young, you're yeah. saying with, yeah. yeah, same thing with Keith Moon. These two of these drummers, we never got to see their full potential. Yeah, right. We never yeah. got to see Sorry. them evolve. Yeah. And their yeah. bands, both of them, their bands couldn't. They weren't their. They weren't the same band anymore after the death of both of these musicians. Right. But interestingly, Neil Peart, the Rush saw that moment. Neil said after his daughter and wife died, "I'm done. I'm out. I'm yep. totally done." And he meant it. And there was a what a five year hiatus, I think it was, or maybe even longer. And the band said, "Well, we we cannot go on without Neil. He is the band. He is the he is the band. Period." But. It's Bonham has to go has to go to the top because I think Neil has had an entire lifetime to do what he did, and I will say that I think the reason why Bonham edges on top of him is I think he did almost as much in a fraction of the time, yeah. and that's why I think he deserves the number one spot over Neil. Well, that was fun. <laughs> um, Bring it back you can, memories. You can hear the anguish in our voices. <laughs> it still <laughs> hurts. It does still hurt, especially now. Jesus. Um, I don't think I ever want to do that again. I think I said that on the show. I don't I don't ever want to do that again. That was <laughs> that was horrible. I lost sleep over that. It was agonizing. Well, Let's, unless we want to do a show on dust keyboardists or something like that, we really don't have to do that again. Oh god, that would be ho- that would be horrible. Like, real uh, right away. I'm like, okay, so who do we? Elton John, Prince. Like, come on. Let's don't don't go down the road. Let let's just let's maybe like 
triangle players or glockenspiel <laughs> players. <laughs> Neil Peart. All the way. Yeah. <laughs> he wins on the fucking triangle yeah. and the glockenspiel. You can't, you can't just can't discount this guy. <laughs> but no, let's never, ever, ever do anything like that again because it gave me anxiety just listening to it again. <laughs> well, what about the keytar? <laughs> Stop <laughs> it. Stop it right now. <laughs> Who the fuck plays the keytar? Who played a keytar? Like every other pop band in the 80s. Yeah, but like, do we know these people? Like the actual keytar player? Gosh. He's keytar player. He's just like an accessory to the band. Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, who the fuck is a list? Okay, hold on. List of keytarics. Keytarists. They have a keytarist. Did they? I think so. Uh, One of the best known keytarists is Jean Michel Jaé. Whoever the fuck that is. Oh, him. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Oh, Matthew Bellamy of Muse. He's a giant of in the world of <laughs> oh, oh, yeah, okay. Matthew oh, Bellamy Thomas Muse, Dolby. Yeah. Oh, well, I'm obsessed oh, with Thomas well, Dolby. Apparently, Herbie Hancock played the guitar. Um, John Paul Jones of Led Zeppelin played the guitar. Okay. That's... Okay. Well, Lady Gaga. Jesus, so, yeah. I see Robert Lamb of Chicago. Okay. Um... We're not going to do this for real. <laughs> God, please, let's not. Because this would be weird as fuck. Okay, yeah. you've got Don. Let's just, okay, just think about this for a minute. We've got Donald Fagan of Steely Dan. Okay, we've got Herbie Hancock. Oh, Howard Jones, the English pop singer Howard Jones. And then John Paul Jones of Zeppelin. Mm-hmm. And then Lady Gaga. And Weird Al Yankovic. <laughs> I mean, and John Prince. Paul Jones wins that. Oh, Fuck. Prince too. Excuse Fuck. me, Prince yeah. wins that. Okay, hands okay. down. We'll, we'll, we'll declare our winner right now. But apparently, Jean-Michel Jaé is the most famous guitarist of the world. He's, uh, what the hell did he even, who did he even play with? Um, It you doesn't even think, say. Though, who who <laughs> invented the guitar and why did they think there was a why? need for this instrument? <laughs> So you could fucking move around on stage while you're playing the keys, man. Come on. So I you're not guess. Stuck behind. It yeah. just feels like, I don't know. It feels like a bass player created that instrument. I don't know. <laughs> okay, you guys, this guy, he sold an estimated 80 million albums. What? And I'm here to tell you, hang on. I'm here to tell you they're all his albums. He's seriously, I'm not even kidding. This is, there's a documentary about his life. He's in the Guinness Book of World Records for the biggest concert ever. Where have we been? What is happening right now? Did he have a dual neck guitar? Um, <laughs> not in the pictures I can find. I'm trying to look at his studio albums. He's got like 20 studio albums and they're all his own albums. And he sold over 80 million of them playing the fucking guitar. It's like the bucket head of keytars. He fucking yeah, right? just released one last year. <laughs> Snapshots from Eon. <laughs> okay. Equinox what? Infinity is the 12th studio album by French musician and composer Jean-Michel Jaé playing the fucking keytar. <laughs> All right. I'm done with this rabbit hole. Okay, I mean, I'm going to put it aside for later. Hey, That's what I really meant. We are here to entertain and inform. 
Okay, hang no on. No one listening knew that. Before. Just real, real <laughs> quick. Let's see who mo- the most famous Glockenspiel. I can't even spell it. Players are G L O C K Glock. <laughs> okay, so apparently, um... Jean Michel. What? <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god, there's a whole forum. Brother Luis. (laughs) There's a whole entire forum about who is the best Glockenspiel player. And some dude's like, I'll start by nominating Mike Oldfield. And then someone writes, dude, what's a Glockenspiel? (laughs) Exactly. What the fuck? Oh my god. Okay. All the Glockenspiel players out there, please don't hate us. We're just <sighs> kidding. So anyway, Metal. enough of that. I'm glad we're ending this on Metal, a happy Glock, note. Metal. Metal. I'm, I'm glad we're Glockenspieling our way out of here. Metal Glock and whiskey. <laughs> That's a different kind of Glock. Well, that could be a Glock. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, thank you. Yeah. Everybody calm down. All right. <laughs> yeah, everybody yeah. calm down. Yeah. So, um... I'm glad we did this. It's good. I feel better now. And I'm glad we're laughing at the end of it. So that's yes. not totally depressing. Um, but damn, what Neil Peart gave the world is incredible. And thank God for him. I'm so happy that he was given that uh, drum kit at 14. And thank God, you know, Rush found him and that everything played out like it did because we got, we have a beautiful body of not only music, but writing as well that we can continue to enjoy for the rest of our lives too and that's pretty damn cool neil peart is immortal music. He, he is yeah and it, it sucks that and throughout the show's history here as the listeners know as you guys know we've done this before we've had our regularly scheduled programming postponed <laughs> to do these special shows uh because we lose people that you know, mean a lot to the show, mean a lot to us as, as artists. So whether it's Stan Lee or, you know, Vinnie Paul or, you know, I'm sure this won't be the last time we do this, unfortunately. Oh, God. But, but please, can we have a nice long break from it? Yes, because please, because it's like it's clockwork. a rough road. Yeah. Yes. Let's, <laughs> let, let's hope this is the last for a while. Yeah. Next week, we will be back with our regularly scheduled program, and we'll be discussing... The GD Hall of Fame. The Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, that is. You see how I didn't say the Pop Music Hall of Fame, or the Country Music Hall of Fame, or the Rap Music Hall of Fame? I said the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. What is is wrong with that organization? We're going to dig into that. We're going to bitch about it. We're going to discuss it. And we're going to set the record straight on the injustices as I raise my fist and shake it, the injustices that have happened to yes. so many incredible musicians that deserve a space in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yep. And I think this year was the cherry on top of the shit Sunday, <laughs> yes. if I might say. Oh, yeah. Indeed. Or Diarrhea yes. Sunday, wasn't it? Diarrhea Sunday, <laughs> Diarrhea yes. Sunday, yes. <laughs> yes. Indeed. So until then, <laughs> thanks for listening. Matt? All right. Yes. Thank you for sticking around. As always, we hope you enjoyed with us. We hope you laughed with us. We hope you look up whatever the guy's name was. <laughs> Jean Michel Jai. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> All 
Uh, as always, you can find us on Instagram and Twitter at Metal Rock and Whiskey. And we also have a super cool Facebook group, as I mentioned, under the Spirit of Rock Podcast Network. You will find posts from all of our um, all of the network's podcasts in there uh, and follow us individually. You can find me on Instagram at the Whiskey Obsessor. That is Whiskey Save the E. Sailor. And I'm Sailor Retro all over the internets. Ed. Hey, listeners. If you love us, or even if you just like our show, we would ask that you hit that subscribe button and um, maybe even give us a review because it really doesn't matter. And of course, tune in next week where we'll be be back with another episode (laughs) of Metal Rock and Whiskey. It's been a long night, folks. Fuck you, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Yeah. And the ultimate cheers to Neil Peart. Good night. Thank you, Neil. I love you more.